0: Ephesians 6, we're fast forwarding just a little bit. We're going to go backwards later, but today, God has put this on my heart this week, and it is the, the topic of faith. I've had a lot of folks tell me, and just through conversations, just through good conversations, but faith, you got to have faith. You got to have faith that God's going to do something, that, uh, that even when you don't see, God is still God, and He's going to do something. And you got to have faith, and what does that really mean? Faith. We use the word faith a lot, but guys, I have learned in my life, in a short life that I've been able to live, faith is hard. Faith is difficult. Faith is not easy. It's easy to say that I have faith, but it's hard to really, really, really put in action our faith. It is really hard to believe in what you don't always see. It is really hard always to look and see, God, I only see obstacles. And to believe that God's going to see you through it anyway. It's easy when you're on the mountain, but it's hard when you're in the valley. It's easy when you say, I can see as long as it goes the way that I want it to go, I can have faith. But when it don't go your way, when it goes the opposite of your way, When everything that you had planned does not happen, that's when true faith steps in. That's when we can really say that I'm trusting only God even when I don't understand anything and I don't understand what's going to happen. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't even know if it's going to be good or if this is going to be a valley time. But I know God's going to see me through it. And I know that God's going to see me to the mountain again. Amen? And my encouragement to Hillcrest Baptist Church is that God has seen you this far. He is not going to abandon you in the moment Right, we are. He is going to see this church to the other side, amen? And I am looking forward to getting there, and it is going to be an awesome time. But until we get there, we must walk by faith. We have an enemy today. He is devious and he is strategic. This enemy is absolutely trying his best to control the inner man of people. If you're lost today, the battle is for your soul. But if you're saved today, the battle is for your faith. Ephesians 6, uh, looking at verse 11, we see the armor of God. It says, finally, my brethren. And it gives Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. It says that finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? His might. It don't say in the power of Brandon's might. It doesn't say the power of a pastor's might. It says in the power of God's might. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickednesses in high places. Wherefore, taking to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having... Done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You can't do anything without truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, but above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching therein all the perseverance and supplication of all saints. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, Lord, I think you're going to do something today. Lord, I know you're going to do something today. And Lord, I just ask you, God, to be with this sermon. Lord, step me out of the way. And Lord, I just pray that your Word pierces the hearts of people. Whether they're saved today, whether they're lost today, this message is for everybody in this room. It's for me. And Lord, I pray, God, that you just do something only you can do like you've done so many times. Thank you for this year. Thank you for where you brought us. And Lord, I can't wait to see where you're taking us. Lord, just let us grab on to your coattails. Let us just grab on the hem of your garment and say, let's go. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. But again, nothing will stop a Christian or church like faithlessness. And I believe that Satan's number one goal today is to try to destroy our faith. The Bible here talks about the shield of faith in verse 16, which was a full body shield. It was a defensive and offensive weapon. Uh, If you ever see any of the old movies, this shield was not a little small shield, but we think that it is. It was a shield from top to bottom. And I believe that we got to be shielded from top to bottom, amen? So many times we want to leave a little something out, but I'm telling you, if Satan can grab onto anything or shoot anything or throw a fiery dart at anything, if he can hit it, he'll try to hit it. And this shield was so big, and the men and women, or the men, the soldiers that were behind this shield, they, they would force against the enemy, but then there was also a time that they had to shield from the enemy. And you've seen the movies where they go into a circle. That's true. They would go down into a circle and they would circle up where there were shields covering from top to bottom all the way to the side where every arrow that was shot, whether it was shot way up high, whether it was shot way down low, whether it was flaming, whatever it was, that these men could block these fiery arrows coming their way. It would push against the enemy. It would bring together an enclosure and no arrow could get in. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, For faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it is that elders obtained a good report. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Guys, I don't know about you, but I want to please my Savior. And there's a lot of times that I think that I'm pleasing Him. Well, Lord, I'm preaching. Lord, I'm, I'm doing everything that I should do. I'm the I'm, I'm youth pastor, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm not, and I, I'm, I'm doing everything I should be. And I can do all of that things and not be faithful. I can do all of these things and say, God, I will only be what you want me to be. As long as I can see the outcome. As long as this goes my way. God, as long as you're saving, as long as we're growing, as long as it looks good on the outside, I can still go. But when God really says, Brandon, trust me by faith, he says, what if I take every single bit of it away from you? What if all of a sudden there's nobody being saved? What if all of a sudden there's nobody being baptized? What if all of a sudden the youth group ran empty? Would I have faith in God then? See, there's two sides of this coin on faith. When we want to have faith in God, so many times it's easy to want the heads and you say, well, God, as long as I agree with the direction that we're going, Lord, I have faith. But the moment that that coin flips on the other side and God says, no, son, this is a time of valley. This is a time of training. This is a time where you really got to learn to lean on me. And all of a sudden, it goes bad. All of a sudden, the diagnosis comes. All of a sudden, the trouble comes. All of a sudden, it just don't go the way that I wanted. That's when God says, am I your God or am I not? And that has convicted me. Because so many times, God, I have faith. As long as I can understand and see it, that's not faith at all. It's when we don't understand. It's when we don't get it. It's when we don't know the future. It's when it could go good or bad. It don't matter. But God is good, and he is good to me, and he is faithful. And no matter where he takes you, he's still God. Even if we don't get it, he's still God. Even when we don't understand it, he's still God. But life takes faith. It is full of hardships. It's full of sickness. It is full of discouragement. It is full of unknowns. Guys, every time we cut on the news today, Every time that we look at Israel, every time that we see the missiles, every time that we see our world, every time you go to a ball game and every single word coming out of everybody's mouth is a bad one, it is easy to lose faith. But Satan is trying to take darts, firing them all the time at your inner man. See, the outward man can be looking just fine, but the outward man, no matter what, is going to fall one of these days because we're men and we're dying, and we're weaker every day, it seems. Every single day that I live, I'm closer to my end. Unless the Lord returns. But Paul says the inward man is renewed day by day. And I think so many times that we are focused on the outside so much, and the inward man is neglected. But it is the inner man that's going to be with you. The inner man has got to be strong to have faith. The outward man perish. I'm going to tell you what, I can walk around all day. Brandon, I got faith, but it is in when the bullets come and the arrows come and everything hits, do I still have faith? I don't know about you, but I want to be a man that no matter what comes my way, that I am still going to raise the banner of Jesus Christ that I'm not going to neglect my Lord the moment that it goes bad. But it is time for believers to lift their shields and keep going. No matter what happens, you grab your shield and you keep going. Faith believes in the spite of circumstances and acts in the spite of consequences. Adrian Rogers said that. But having faith when you don't see, when you don't understand, when you don't know, it is hard. But our faith can't be rooted in sight. It must be rooted in Christ, His words, and His promises. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And guys, I'm going to talk to you today about three faiths, but then we're going to get into what saving faith should produce. So guys, I want to first talk to you about what kind of faith do we have. And I think in this room here today that there's all of these three. Every single one of us are walking through different journeys. Every single one of us are in different parts of our walk with Christ. Not the person beside you might be going through something that you're not. And I believe by the time we get to the end of this, this is going to touch the hearts of every person in here. Because every single one of us are at different spots in our life. And I just want you to know that the one solution is Jesus Christ and Him alone. First, I want us to look at dead faith. Dead faith. James 2, 17 says, Faith without works is dead. Uh, Real faith, guys, I want you to understand, produces works. Do you have a faith that produces works? You say, well, Brandon, I'm not saved by works. Amen, you ain't saved by works. You're saved by grace. But true faith, when a person comes to Jesus, knowing that only he can save you, knowing that you're a sinner, knowing that you are nothing but a wretched soul, and the moment that God comes into your heart, he saves you, he redeems you, he buys you, he places you in a spot of sonship, that should change a man. That should change a man. But the problem is so many people have a faith that produces nothing. My friend, is your faith In God, producing good works. Now, I'm not saying that you're the best that you've ever ever dreamed. I'm not saying that you've hit the end goal. No, I'm asking you from the moment that you were saved, was there a change made in your life where the Holy Spirit indwelled you and you started on a path following Jesus one day at a time? Guys, a true saving faith will produce works. Dead faith isn't moved by God. It is still producing bad fruit that you always have. Matthew 7, 16, it talks about by their fruits you shall know them. By your fruits. Guys, it doesn't say by their church attendance you shall know them. It doesn't say by their baptism you shall know them. It doesn't say by, what they, uh, by, by the way that they dress, you should know them. It don't say any of that. It says by their works are they known. Is God doing a work in your life that only He can do? Is He producing a new man in your life where all of a sudden you used to serve the old man, but now you want to serve Jesus? and Jesus only. Two, there is demonic faith. James two nineteen says, even the demons believe and tremble. It has been said that the demons had greater theology than anybody in existence. That's scary. I believe that Judas was filled with a demonic faith. He knew everything that he should know. He knew the words... He had seen Jesus move. He had seen Jesus talk. He had seen Jesus do the miracles. He had seen Jesus do all of the amazing teachings from the Sermon on the Mount on down. And he was filled with an intellectual faith. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be intellectual. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be growing in Christ. I sh- I'm not saying that we shouldn't be studying His Word. We should be studying it all that we can, learning more and more and more and more and more. But the problem is, if it never gets out of here and gets into here, you missed it. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was saved, I didn't know nothing here, but I was filled right here. And this that was changed is what fulfilled and and propelled this. Because I was changed inwardly, and I wanted to start to serve God outwardly. It's not the opposite way. So many times we want to try to look like we're serving God outwardly, but the inner man is wasting away. My friend, you must have a heart change. An intellectual faith, the demons said, they believe and they tremble at the power of God. But their hearts were on themselves. Satan was a self-worshipper. Isaiah 14, 13 says, "'For thou hast said in thine heart, "'I will ascend into heaven.'" I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's Satan's words. My friend, I'm going to ask you today, is your life full of I or is it full of God? Satan, and we see that word Satanism today And everybody would say, I don't believe in Satanism. I'm not a Satan worshiper. What are you thinking? Satan worship is self-worship. That's what it is. Satanism is the worship of I. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that, amen? Because that's what I'm talking to you about. Even God has showed me, Brandon, it's not about you. But God, what about I? What are you going to do with me on the other side? Brandon, I love you. I brought you this far. Do you think I'm going to let you go now? No, I'm not. God, you're not. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's good. But so many times I want to say, God, but it's not what I want. Guys, that it, we must understand that there is a demonic faith. But then, guys, there is an amazing saving faith. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith that it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Guys, there's a lordship salvation. It is when I trust God and I trust his word, I trust in his sacrifice, I trust in his resurrection, it's when I trust that he is enough. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust God. I'm not asking you to trust in the church. I'm asking you to trust in Jesus. If you put your faith in a man in this pulpit, you're gonna mess up. But if you put your faith in a Jesus that saved you and that changed the world and that turned the world upside down, who went to a cross, died on a cross, and rose again in three days, you're just gonna be just fine. Amen. It's Jesus. He has proven how strong he is, and how many times has he proven it in your life how strong he is? How many times have you prayed? How many times have you seek God? How many times have you said, God, help me through this situation? And over, and over and over and over and over and over and over again, he was faithful, Marty. But then the moment that we don't see what's on the other side of the hill, we forget the faithfulness of God. Guys, I want to be a man that says, I don't know what's on the other side of the hill, but I know I serve a God that does. And that even if it don't go the way that I want it to, it's going the way God wants it to. Whew. Guys, that is an unleashing power on a church. When all of a sudden we say it ain't about us. God, make me uncomfortable. Let me be uncomfortable. Guys, it's in our uncomfort that God gets to do miracles. It's when we say, God, I have no power that God says, I do. I do. But it's when we trust in His wants for our life. It is when we surrender to Him and Him alone. Repentance has followed. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. There's a word that I put on my board in my office that I so struggle with, guys. I wish that I could say that I'm Mr. Righteous and that I never struggle with it, but there is an acronym that I put on my board, and it says I-N-A-M. And i got to remind myself very often about this, and it says, it is not about me. Guys, that will unlock a lot in your life when you say, it is not about me about me. It is that I am crucified to the things of God. And whatever He wants in my life, I'll go. And what follows when we have that attitude of it's not about me, what follows is a saving faith, a life of faith in Jesus. And everyone who is saved today, everyone that has trusted him today, is by letting him, we should be challenged for to let him do more and more of his will in our life. Knowing that he's God and we aren't and we must trust in his ways. Now this is where I'm going to get to the main part of this and this is going to go fast. But if you have come to by saving faith today, you say, Brandon, if I asked everyone of you in here, do you got dead faith? Nobody wants to raise their hand for that one. You got demonic faith. Ain't nobody going to say that. But if I said, do you have saving faith? Most of us, of all of us, would say, that's me. Well, okay, amen. I'm praying that that's the truth. If you have saving faith, then guys, I want you to understand you are at the beginning of your walk with Jesus. The moment that you get baptized, in a newness of life, you might as well sign up to never know what you're going to do To say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. And I'll say what you want me to say. And you might as well get ready for a testing like you've never had, Chris. You might as well get ready to sign up for the school of faith because it's coming. You might as well sign up to say, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I will go where you want me to go in my life. Not knowing where I may go, but I'm trusting you. And I believe that today that these are going to touch everybody in here on some way because we're all in certain spots, we're all in different spots. So one, if you have had a saving faith in your life, you are born again, you are blood-bought, you have trusted only Jesus to save you, my friend, you must now have a growing faith. You must now be growing in Jesus. The Mo- Moses said before he had the great task of leading the people out of Egypt. What did he say? He said, God, I can't. Now, how many of you in this room have told God, I can't, a lot of times? I'm not worthy. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen. They're not, I don't have the words to say. I stumble in my speech. Whatever it is, God, I can't. Now, God, I will settle for serving you here But serving you here, that's for everybody else. That's for the preacher. That's for the missionary. No, my friend, that's for you. And we must have a growing faith. When Moses was leading a nation, the first thing he said is, God, I can't. But God then said to him, I will. I will do abundantly more with you, Moses. All you got to do is give me what you are, and I will make you into what I want you to be. But with those who seek the Lord, guys, I want you to know, let him grow you. How many of you have allowed God to really grow you? But how many times have we said, God, when the lesson is really coming, we said, God, I'm not looking for the lesson. I just want to get back up on the mountain without learning as I go through the valley. Guys, let God grow you. Let him do a work with you. Allow him to say, I know you're weak, but I'm strong. Guys, so many times we get caught up in what everybody else is doing. And we want to say, well, I'm discouraged today because I'm not running the way I want to. Let me tell you something. Guys, we have got to quit looking at everybody else and the running that they're doing. You are running your race if you are saved today for Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is at that finish line waiting to say, son, daughter, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I'm going to tell you, I'm running as hard as I can. And there's times that I fail. There's times that I mess up. But at that finish line, when I get to Jesus, I want to hear those words. But the worst thing that I can do is to start looking at the person beside me who's running behind. What's as awful as I start to look at the person that is ahead and I start to say, God, I'm never going to be where they are. I might as well settle for where they are and I'm not going to run my best. My friend, it does not matter where anybody else is running. Run your race. Run your race, not somebody else's race. Run your race. That's what you're going to be responsible for. You're not going to be responsible for David. You're not going to be responsible for me. I'm not going to be responsible for you. You are going to be held responsible by the way you ran your race for Jesus Christ. And it might not look good for people. I might come up to you and say, you're barely running. But you know in your heart you're running all you can do for Jesus. There's a lot of us that you say, Brandon, you're running so good. I might be running a half race and you don't know it. Some of you look like you're running great. You could be running better. Some of you look well because you've settled for everybody else that's running in the back. And you say, man, I'm better than they are. You could run better. I want to run my best race. I don't want to settle in for second. I don't want to settle in for third. I want to run across and be the best I can be for Jesus. Two, you must have a going faith. By faith, Abraham, not knowing where he was going to go, God said, just go, Abraham, and I'm going to show you where. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you must be available, you must be ready, and you must be willing. What if God called you tomorrow to go? What if he called you tomorrow to witness? What if he called you tomorrow to get out of your comfort zone, not knowing where the conversation may go, not knowing whether they're going to get mad, not knowing what is going to happen, Clayton, that God says, go, go. Because unless you go, I can't show you the miracle that I'm about to do. But I can't see over the other side of the hill, God. You're not supposed to see over the other side of the hill. You're supposed to trust me. Trust me with all that you have. I'm God. You're Brandon. You don't know, but my ways are abundantly more than yours. But so many times we're not willing to go. We're not willing to step out. We're not willing to say, God, I'm yours. We're not willing. We can only give God what we can understand. Guys, you're never going to understand where God's taking you in your life. Just grab on and go. Because what I do understand is that he is good, that he is great, that he is perfect, and that he is so much more than what I am. You must have an action faith. By faith, Peter did the impossible while walking to Jesus. With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. When God called Peter out of the boat, many would say, Peter, that is impossible. Guys, and I'm going to tell you, don't walk on water uh, by yourself, I ain't talking about jumping out in the lake now. You're going to sink. There was a time in my life where I was about eight years old. I thought that I could walk on water by putting swimmies on my feet. And I about died in a pool with my mom and dad just a few foot away, my friend. I Do not do it. You are going to sink. But, my friend, there still is an action faith. By faith, Peter did the impossible by walking to Christ. What if God called you to get out of the boat? Would we say, this is impossible? Would we say, God, there's no way? Or would we step out and say, do the impossible in my life? What if God wanted to do the impossible at Hillcrest Baptist Church? What if he wanted to do something above and beyond what we could ever dream? What if he wanted to do absolutely more and abundant, but we say, God, that is not in my comfort. I'm not going to allow it. My friend, that is a dangerous place to be. And that's the encouragement that I want to give Hillcrest Baptist Church today, that God has brought you this far. He's going to take you to the other side. But we must be willing to get out of the boat. People may say impossible, but my friend, if God is calling you to something, get out of the boat. Some of you may be fighting the call to preach. Somebody might be fighting the call to teach. Somebody might be fighting the call to step up and be a teacher in the church. Some of you might be an assistant and now it's time to take that next step. Maybe you're somebody that's been sitting on a pew week after week after week and you keep saying, well, there will be a day where I serve. It ain't going to happen unless you go. You've got to take one step out of the boat. It's not just going to be thrown in your lap. And so many times we want our walk in Jesus to be thrown in our lap. My friend, it's not thrown in our lap. It's when we trust God by faith and then He unlocks that in our life. But people, so many times we say it's impossible, but guys, my friend, God can do something with you if you'll let Him. Never look back and say, I regret not serving the Lord. Guys, don't go one of these days where it's all done and maybe you're about to go to heaven. And your days are almost over and you're looking back over your life. Don't ever say, I regret not serving the Lord. I don't want to be a man that lives with regrets. I don't want to be a man that says, I wish that I would have. I bet that I could have. I bet the Lord could have used me, but I was so scared and I was so afraid that I was not willing to give him me. Guys, do not be a person that lives in regrets. You go. If God calls you to it, he's going to see you through it. Four, you're going to face waiting faith. Noah took 75 years to build the ark. There is much to learn in the waiting. And so many times, though, we say, God, I want it now. You know how many times I've wanted it now? You know how many times i said my time is now? Guys, I, I keep bringing this up when the, with me being an evangelist. When I got first surrendered to the ministry... That's all I looked at was evangelist. I mean, that's all I, I was looking at Billy Graham. I was learning the. I was, man, I was just pumped up and I was ready to tell everybody about Jesus, Troy. And in my heart, I was going to be the next Billy Graham and I was going to preach to millions and I believed I was going to go to North Korea and I was going to tell everybody about Jesus and that's what was going to happen. But then God said, that's none of that's going to happen right now. That's not what I want for your life. But God, that's what I want. But he says, I got something different for you. And you say, well, Brandon, I don't want to wait on what God's got for me. Do you think, and I see it now, if I would have been an evangelist, Troy, a young evangelist at 29, 30 years old, I was not ready spiritually. I was not ready. My wife wasn't ready for it. In fact, it would have probably destroyed my whole marriage. Being away from home being away from my children. And even now, God has given me peace in my life because now, looking back, I said, God, you knew. You knew what I was ready for. And some of you here today, you say, Brandon, I'm ready to go to the next step. But God knows where you are. And there is a wonderful thing in waiting on God. There is an awesome moment where you just wait and you sit still, and you say, God, I will go where you want me to go the moment that you say it, but until you say it, I am going to sit still. Guys, without boot camp, no soldier is ready. And I'm going to tell you, if you were in Christian boot camp today, you were in a time of training, just enjoy the training, because get ready, God's going to use you one of these days for the battle. But if God has you still, you be still until he says move. This is where I'm at in my life, guys. This is something God has been speaking to me so heavily on. And I've, so, I've spoken to many of you about it. When the Joshua was about to lead his people over the Jordan, I mean, they were about to go to the promised land. And he says, watch the ark. You look at the ark. The ark meant the presence of God. And guys, I want you to understand there is a presence of God in our life. And our job is not to look out, look to, it is to look at Jesus and to look at Jesus alone. And if you're in a time of waiting today, you're in a time of, Lord, I don't know if I can have enough faith to just sit still. My friend, look at the ark and never take your eyes off of it. Because as the presence of God goes, the Bible says, when you see the ark move, you move. Whenever it goes, the Bible says, I love this. Go after it. Go after it. That means if you're in a time of waiting and the, and the ark is just setting still, it's not moving anywhere. God, what do I do in a time of wait? If the ark isn't moving, if the presence of God isn't leading, you sit still. And you enjoy the wait and the silence and the quiet and you say, God, show me when I need to move. And then the presence of God starts to move, and he starts to move right, you go right. The presence of God goes left, you go left. The presence of God goes up, you go up. If The presence of God sets still. Lord, this is a time of waiting. And wherever the presence of God goes, go after it. Who all in here today wants Hillcrest Baptist Church to be that kind of a church? Wherever the presence of God goes, we go. Wherever the presence of God moves, we move. Wherever he says, guys, we're going up, we're going up. If he says go right, we're going right. If he says go left, we're going left. If he sits still, we sit still. But when the ark moves, you move. Because you say, well, Brandon, what if I want to do it my way? What if I want to get out ahead of him? Guys, you'll end up wandering in the wilderness. A lot longer. Five. This is probably the hardest one. But not faith. When it does not go your way. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see the famous story. It went their way. They said, I'm I'm willing to die in the fiery furnace for my beliefs. I'm willing, King Nebuchadnezzar, to go and do whatever we need to do. But we are standing for our God. And we see what they say. I know that my God can deliver me. But if not, I'm still going to trust Him. When it does not go your way... And guys, that's where I believe that God's need to speak to somebody here today about that. You're in a time of but-if-not faith. Sometimes we only trust God when it makes sense to us. Sometimes we say, God, this didn't go the way I wanted it to go. But what if God doesn't give you your wants? What if God doesn't give you what we think we should get? What if God says, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. Will you still trust God? Will you still trust Him? No, I, you say, well, Brendan, yes, I will. No, I want you to ask you in your life right now, this second, this moment. You say, yes, Brendan, I will trust God no matter what. But if not, but really put yourself in that spot. All of a sudden, the sickness comes. All of a sudden, man, Chris, you have all your plans set up and none of it happens. What if, man, I'm going to have grandchildren one of these days? What if one of these days I'm going to get married? One of these days it's going to be me and my wife forever and then none of it happens. What if I lose my wife? What if she loses me? What if I get in a car wreck? What if something happens the way that I don't want it to go? That's the moment God says, Do you really trust me? Because, But if not, I'm willing to follow. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's when I start to want to jump off. God, I don't trust you. I don't know what's going on. But if not, Brandon... But if not, Brandon, guys, God is calling us to trust Him no matter what, no matter where. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be simple. I'm not saying that it's going to be the easiest moments in your life. But I'm telling you guys, God will provide. And He will get you through. And that's what goes me to my next point. It says we must trust in a providing faith. And I'm almost done. My God will supply your needs according to His riches and His glory in Christ Jesus. When we trust God, no matter where the situation is, when we walk by faith, it allows God to do the impossible in our life. It allows us to provide Him to provide for us. Are you allowing Jesus to do the will of God in your life? I will share this this week, and it's a wonderful verse of Isaiah 54. It says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. God says, I'm still God. I still love you. My mercy is still here. Just let me be your Lord. So maybe you're in a time of growing today. Maybe you're in a time of going today. Maybe you're in a time of action today. Maybe you're in a time of wait today. Maybe you're in a season of, but if not, maybe you're in a season of God, I'm trusting you to provide. I want you guys to understand and never forget it because we get so caught up in this world that God is good. He's good. He's good. He's not bad. He's good. I think that simple promise that we can just pierce our hearts with, that no matter what happens in this world, He's good. He's good. God's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. good. And no matter where this world takes me, I serve a God who is the same yesterday yesterday today and forever, and He is good. So we're going to go in a time of invitation. I believe that Hillcrest Baptist Church, with all of our people, are in those seasons. You're in a time of waiting. You're in a time of but if not. You're in a time of God's calling you to action. You're in a time of wondering if you're going to be provided for, and you're wondering, if will God provide? I believe that we must trust Him by faith, that He will, that He can. And if God's calling you to something today, my friend, there is what we've been talking about, a moment where you trust Him by faith. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I trust it. And then if you're in a moment where you're saying, I'm none of these things. I am in dead faith. I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior in the first place. Oh, I would come to church. Oh, I, I do this or I do that. But the truth is, if I died today, I wouldn't know where I was going. And so many times we just think, man, that day's never going to come. But my friend, if the day came today, and today was your last day on earth, could you run into heaven saying, God, I know that I'm meeting you at the finish line because of what you did for me in my heart there was a time and a place where I said God I'm yours and you are mine that I didn't put any stipulations on it other than saying God I am yours I am available you use me just as I am I'm surrendering all to you and to you alone that I can't but you can and if there's somebody in here today that they are convicted in their hearts we don't talk about conviction without conviction man that's how I know God's moving when God tugs on my heart and he knocks on my heart and he says, Brandon, I'm speaking only to you right now. I, it doesn't matter about the person to the left or the person to the right. It's that moment that I'm saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost. I know that if I died today, I wouldn't be without you. I didn't understand all this. I wanted to get it intellectually, but Lord, you're showing it to me in my heart. My friend, you must step out by faith, trusting only him to save you. Right there in your seat, God save me. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can ask Jesus to save you right in your seat. But then the Bible says, don't be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus that just saved me. And I believe that there is something so special about stepping out when you are afraid and when you are scared. And say, God, I'm trusting only you. My friend, he'll take you the rest of the way. But maybe your person that needs to join our church. Come join. Maybe your person that needs to be baptized and God's calling you to it and you say, "Brandon, I need to have action faith. My friend trust him in action." And maybe you're a person, man, we're lo- waiting for our pastor. Are we willing to let God do only what he will do? No matter where you are today, say, "God, Hillcrest Baptist Church does not belong to me. It belongs to you." Are we really willing to let that happen? I'm going to tell you, I want to be that kind of man that lets it happen. Because God has made me a promise. When we trust Him, Troy, He will do abundantly more. And I believe God's just about to do that.